Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here by my buddy Josh. Welcome to the unofficial Buffalo Bills subreddit podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the draft as it is looming coming up this Thursday. Uh, I know a lot of Bills fans are super hyped to finally get some uh, offseason action and find out just what Brandon Bean has in store for us. I know he's got a pretty uh, interesting track record, being pretty un- unpredictable, so... This should be a, a lot of fun. I mean, hey, all, all we've gotten this offseason is Von Miller, right? I mean, that's that's all. Right. Just the uh, craziness of free agency. and But that's really died down over the past couple of weeks. There yeah, really it's, hasn't been it's too been, much. I, I want to say, what has what our biggest like free agent acquisition, if you want to call it, been? Like Bobby Hart in the last couple of weeks? Like, oh, my yeah, gosh. They, I mean, I and that's that's fine. I think, you know, we're just being patient between now and the draft. Um, and, you know, once the draft plays out, we'll make whatever – moves are left. Like, I, th- I think, you know, if we end up going for a veteran cornerback to go along with a rookie that we draft, I think it's going to come after the draft. You know, maybe we, uh, a really physical, tall, long cornerback falls to us in the draft. And that allows us to go get like a shorter, you know, more savvy, whatever veteran, or maybe we get a guy like Trent McDuffie in the draft who, you know, we'll talk about him in a bit with his very, very short arms, very short frame, um, and that forces us to maybe go get a veteran who's a lot taller and longer, but not nearly as talented a cornerback, right. who, you know, who, who knows. That's the beauty of the draft. There's just so many different ways it can go unlimited possibilities. That's why it's just such an exciting event. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like sneakily, maybe my favorite part of the NFL, like not as a bills fan, but just as a, you know, f- objective football fan, the draft is, is probably the most fun thing for me and this year like you know you hear obviously like crappy espn reporting or whatever talking about how this is a horrible draft class like i mean it really is not but there's really good edges in this class that you know obviously we don't need but really good wide receivers really good cornerbacks obviously just not good quarterbacks and that's fine because it's really fun for us as bills fans to now sit here where the patriots did for so many years in the you know mid to late 20s just sitting back laughing getting a you know BPA, you know, best player available and uh, <laughs> watching all the teams scramble for a quarterback. Yes, I know. And it's, I feel like if, uh, I don't know, it feels like if the draft doesn't have those elite quarterbacks, it's automatically written off as, you know, not a great draft class when that's just, you know, simply not the case. It may not be the, uh, you know, like the sexy players available, um, but there are definitely a lot of really great talents in this draft. So I'm definitely excited to see what direction the Buffalo Bills go with it. Um, we have a lot of different needs. Well, not a lot of needs. I No glaring needs, but there's definitely a couple places here and there where I'm, you know, definitely honing in on seeing some possible moves made by being here in the draft too. Uh, yeah, there, there are definitely needs throughout the roster. Not like, I mean, even, even cornerback is, I guess, not necessarily like, uh, you know, horrible, we need to get it. Otherwise we wouldn't be looking at any other positions in the first round because, you know, we quite frankly, as bills fans, we do not know where Trey white is in his, you know, recovery from his injury. We do not know how the front office feels about Dane Jackson and his ability to, you know, come in and be cornerback too. So maybe, you know, that's one of the questions that we're going to, you know, talk about a little later is like what, you know, is being comfortable with the cornerbacks that we have right now. And maybe we don't even draft one until day three. Right. Right. That's a great question. Yeah. What, what, what other uh, positions in need are you looking at for the bills? Well, I think running backs really controversial. Some people are, you know, they, they're really, um, 
not a huge fan of motor. Some people love motor. Uh, you know, some people are like, you know, round one running back. I'm not sure where you stand on that, but I know we'll definitely, I'm sure get into it and talk about it. But I think running back's definitely a position where, um, I think people are, you know, kind of taking a look at it and yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I up, up front, I am very much team motor. I hope that he, I, my like best case scenario for running back in 2022 is we draft a rookie, like no matter where it is. And they take away just enough snaps for motor to like make his contract a lot, you know, easier to swallow for us. Like, you know, maybe it's a two year, like $5 million deal. And he accepts it instead of like a two year, you know, $7 million deal somewhere else, just cause you know, he likes Buffalo or whatever. And we're already going to be like tripling his salary. Right. Uh, and then that other rookie running back, you know, performs well. And going into 2023, we have like a dual, you know, two headed monster. Uh, that, that, that is definitely my ideal uh, scenario. And then, you know, we can just always rotate veterans in and out kind of the way we are with Brita and then now Duke Johnson and, Maybe one day, J.D. McKissick, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they want to do here because, I mean, Moss, you know, definitely had a disappointing season last year, at least in my opinion. And we used Breida for what, maybe two games, and then he was right back on the uh, practice squad. <laughs> yeah, know, he, had a, he, he had one really good game. I, th- I think it was the second game against the Jets that he had like a really long receiving touchdown or rushing touchdown or something, and he, he, that was maybe the game where I was like, Ooh, is this where we finally see like the speed element of Brita come in and, you know, change this team going into the the playoffs and then just kind of never happened. He had a few fumbles and just kind of fell out of the rotation. And I don't know, that was it. It was, it was definitely a very disappointing uh, year of Brita. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously we have Brandon Bean bringing in another running back in the free agency period. So the question is, you know, Duke Johnson being a more veteran guy, is he just going to be like the Matt Breida of this year who gets, you know, scratched on game day every year so or every week? So it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. So definitely a lot of questions around the running back position. Um, but I'd say another, uh, which I've been seeing in more mock drafts um, coming out from some of the different outlets, I've I've been seeing a lot of different people uh, putting the Buffalo bills at selecting a, a linebacker possibly um, in the yeah. first round. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen a few like Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Dean, even Quay Walker uh, Dean and Walker, both from Georgia uh, Lloyd from Utah. Um, and I mean, that would be, I'm, I'm willing to buy into whatever Bean does. Like I'm anti probably linebacker and probably anti running back first round, but if Bean you know, takes one, I will definitely talk myself into it. Um, cause you know, that is probably assuming, you know, if we draft Devin Lloyd in the first round, probably we're trading away Tremaine Edmonds because there's probably no way we keep Milano Edmonds and Lloyd all on the roster, even just for 2022. Um, so yeah, I think there's some, there's definitely some like maneuverability at some positions that I think people don't really realize. Like, I mean, I guess they're maybe now starting to, but yeah, Tremaine Edmonds could be traded away. Jordan Poyer certainly could be traded away. Not that I want that, but I mean, it's a possibility. And maybe we, you know, what if Kyle Hamilton falls to us at 25? That's certainly a possibility. Like it's, I am, I am definitely willing to throw cornerback out the window to draft Kyle Hamilton if he fell to 25, just because of positional value alone. Right. Yeah. That that's another huge factor with the draft is you never really know exactly how it's going to fall. So you know, the bills could be leaning one way, but a certain guy falls to them and then they select that guy um, just because of, you know, him falling to them. So it's, it's going to be interesting. So 
We've also like, you know, we could, I don't know. I don't know if it's as likely to see a wide receiver. I know there's a lot of people that are, you know, really excited about <laughs> the wide receivers, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really sold on that. I, I think we need to really go in a different area. I, I think it's really fun to get super excited about the wide receivers in this class, especially at the top, like Jameson Williams. Like, I mean, really don't get me wrong. I wrong. I would love it if being felt confident in trading this year's first and next year's first into getting like, you know, the Texans 13th pick and drafting Jameson Williams. But this is also a really deep wide receiver class, like I said earlier. So, you know, maybe instead of trading up to get Jameson Williams, what if you traded down out of the first round into the thirties and just grabbed a guy like Christian Watson or John Mechie, and then still get a functional cornerback, you know, in the, in the second or third round, there are, there are a ton of those like second tier wide receivers in this class. And again, we'll talk about them later, but there, there is a, there is a long list of, of guys um, just rapid firing a few points, like the, the rest of the draft needs we have that I think, you know, everyone's pretty familiar with at this point, interior offensive line, you know, we'll need guard to replace uh Saffold, assuming he's only here for one year. Um, linebacker, defensive tackle, safety, tight ends are all kind of positions that we don't really need, but, you know, maybe depth or eventual depth. Or like I said, if we traded away Edmonds or Poyer or God forbid, Denox, uh, you know, we would obviously need a replacement for for those kind of guys. And then everyone's favorite position, punter, um, which right. we'll, we'll talk about punter. Don't worry. We'll, we'll talk about the punt god and the three other actual good punters that there are in this draft that everyone likes to ignore. Um, the Bills own uh, all of our draft picks this year and next year and the year after and forever. Uh, we have an additional sixth rounder. I don't remember what that's from. Um, Ooh. I, th- I want to say we just traded like a random linebacker to some team and got a six round pick, something like that. Wait, was that the Lee Smith? No, was the that... Lee Smith was oh. round was the seventh round pick that we traded to get Case Keenum, I think. Oh, okay. Is that yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't know. And either way. Yeah. We have an extra six round pick. I'm, I'm assuming that's probably just going to be like, you know, ammo to move up, you know, you know, say we package both six round picks with our fifth round pick and move up in the fifth round by like 20 picks and get, you know, a a better guy. Right. Um, A few uh, kind of interesting bills draft tendencies that I don't know if a lot of bills fans are familiar with Um, in the McBean draft era. So starting in 2017, even though Bean was not technically the GM for the 2017 draft, it was still uh, Whaley. Um, But, you know, he was on his way out and McDermott kind of spearheaded that draft anyway. Right. of the 36 draft picks that the McBeans have drafted, uh, 12 of them have been from the ACC, a rather large number. Uh, I think five from the AAC, four from the SEC, and then four from the FCS. And then all the other conferences have, you know, two or one player. So there is a heavy emphasis by the Bills in scouting players in the ACC, AAC. And then, I mean, obviously, I think that the SEC is just such a huge talent pool because of how good a conference it is and then kind of the same thing with the fcs is just you know it's dozens and dozens of different schools so it's you know a lot easier to scout out the best players that way right. um, but there there are a ton of guys at the top of this draft uh from these conferences you know at the acc we're looking at andrew booth cornerback out of clemson zion johnson interior offensive line bc jelani woods is an awesome tight end out of virginia who is he's like six seven he's a monster athlete um, obviously there's a ton of sec guys. There's a lot of very intriguing AAC players, especially, uh, offensive line and cornerbacks that we'll get into. 
Uh, and then everyone's favorite FCS uh, receiver, Christian Watson, that we're all falling in love with because he's six, five and has track speed, but for some reason played FCS football. <laughs> um, but here are, here's a few questions that we wanted to get into um, that, I was just saying to Andrew before we started this, if we had the answer to even like one of these questions, it, I mean, it would it would infinitely increase our knowledge about what what the Bills are going to do in the draft. And the first, I mean, the first one is we were talking about it already. Is like, what are the long term plans for Motor? Like, I mean, Andrew, I don't know what what are we doing with him? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, it, is he going to be back on the team next year? Is he? Are we going to let him walk? Are we going to draft a running back in like the first, second, third? round this year like what's gonna happen with that I it's it, it's really tough because I can see it going both ways I really think it stems based on how he does this year um mm-hmm. I and really how, think you know a, a potential rookie does next to him and it you know because if that rookie outperforms him by too much then it's like like maybe motor himself would say you know hell I'm out of here right yeah so that's it, it's really to be seen. Although, you know, at the end of last year, he really started to uh, come on there a little bit. Once we inserted Ryan Bates into the offensive line, um, it really seemed like they started to gel there and, you know, motor was uh, making a pretty good impact. He, you know, he even was making some pretty nice uh, catches out of the backfield and in the flat. He uh, honestly, he was pretty good check down option for Josh Allen. I just remember the Patriots game. He was just both Patriots games. He was just tearing them up. Um, so, you know, I, I've seen flashes from Devin, you know, it, it's, I think it's really going to be determined based on what we do in the draft and then how he performs this year mm-hmm. in his contract year. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I, I think he's definitely at least at the moment earned a second contract. It's just a matter of if the contract is enough for him or if the contract that he wants is too much for the bills, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those. Cause he's, you know, he's what, however old he is, he's what 25 or 26 or something like that. He's, he's a young dude. We could definitely right. sign him to another, you know, two, three year deal and get the rest out of him. Um, a couple other extensions that we're looking at. I mean, and we're going to talk about all this stuff in, you know, a, a later episode after the drafts, all the extensions that could go on with the team, but there's a lot of other extensions that are big question marks that could lead to us drafting other players. If the bills aren't comfortable, like is Dawson Knox going to get an ex- extension? Is Ed Oliver going to get an extension? Jermaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, like there's, there's all those guys. So, you know, are we extending those guys? And if we're not, where are we going to look at in the draft? Exactly. And, you know, obviously, you know, you can't re-sign everyone, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're going to start to get, uh, depending on where the cap is next year, we might still, it might, you know, start to become a little more tough to bring everyone back that we want to bring back. So unfortunately we may have to say goodbye to a couple of these guys that, you know, we love, you know, as Bills fans. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to break my heart watching Ed Oliver play in like a Pittsburgh Steelers Jersey or something like that. I mean, don't even say that. I know. Right. Not that I think that, you know, the Bills should let him go or anything, but when that sort of thing event, cause yeah, I mean, when they were on the team, I loved Jordan Phillips and I loved Shaq Lawson and I loved, you know, all, all these other guys over the years. And eventually, you know, not everyone can stay. It's only Josh Allen pretty much. Right. Now, now only, here's a question. Permanent one. Are you going to miss Levi Wallace? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I am very much going to miss Levi Wallace because he a little bit endeared himself to me because he was so like dicey over the years and because every off season, every bills fan, including myself was like, Hey, are we going to replace Levi Wallace? Like, are we going to get a better CB two? And every year 
nope, didn't draft one. And Levi rolled out, you know, week one and was our CB2 opposite of Trey. And I mean, that's the thing is I feel like people brag on Levi a lot, but for a cornerback too, like he's really not that bad. He's not, he's, he's, he's not out there to guard the number one receiver. So whenever he matches up against a really good wide receiver too, you know, just he's going to get mossed sometimes that that's that happens it's okay yeah i mean he was serviceable he was serviceable you know he did his job he uh did what the coaches asked him to do and yeah he he, i was happy with his time here in buffalo but you know i i wasn't terribly sad to see him uh go to pittsburgh and i i because i I think a lot of people wanted to bring him back and i mean even myself included i kind of wanted to see him come back and be you know would come back on a cheaper deal but the thing is, is if we're targeting a cornerback anyway, because Trey and his injury, we've seen what Levi's ceiling is. You know, like we, we know what his, he's maxed out as far as like an NFL player goes, right. probably unless the Steelers somehow unlock another level in him. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, if we say we end up drafting Andrew Booth, cause he falls to us at 25 or McDuffie, cause he falls to us cause of his short arms. And those guys could turn out to be, you know, Trey white level. Cause we drafted Trey. What was it? 27th, I think. In I the believe so. Draft, you know, we're looking at drafting a cornerback in a very identical spot in the draft. So imagine if we can nail this and get another Trey White. Like, I mean, that's 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 I think the real dream for round one is just getting a dependable long-term starter opposite Trey White. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that uh, I think cornerbacks are just going to become more and more important, especially in the AFC where you have all these crazy good wide receivers not to say there's not good wide receivers in the nfc because obviously there are but in the afc specifically <laughs> they're they're migrating from the yeah NFC to the AFC. and now we have rumors of debo samuel possibly you know <laughs> being moved if you know rumblings about the jets offering him everything to come to new york i would just yeah for some reason every nfc wide receiver that is like a pro bowl or all pro level talent is just like yeah let me come to the afc real quick like i'm expecting cooper cup next year to just be like yeah, fuck you, Rams. Uh, trade me to the Dolphins or something like that. You know, tra- trade me to the Colts. I don't just may as well come to the AFC. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just the trends lately. So yeah, I, I, I really hope Debo. I mean, I I really don't know who in the NFC Debo could even go to. Like, it could be the Packers, but you know, supposedly Shanahan and uh, what's his name Lafleur hate each other. Uh, That's too you know, funny. There, there's a ton of, you know, all basically all the NFC West teams could use Debo, but uh, they're not going to, you know, trade him in their own division. Uh, they're probably not going to trade him to a, another team that's like going to compete for a Super Bowl, like, you know, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys or something like that. Like it's, it's probably going to go to the AFC and right. I feel like it's going to be pick 10 from the Jets plus, you know, a little f- more sprinkled in there uh, for Debo. I, I really feel like that's what's going to happen and it's going to suck. I know. So it's just like, we really need to get, a cornerback in here and i mean here here's another point like brandon bean has addressed all the other uh spots on the roster that were quote unquote like needs or areas for improvement in the offseason except for the cornerback position mm-hmm. like we yeah. haven't signed any new cornerbacks so is he like does he got his eyes like dead set on a cornerback in this draft like you know, I mean, that, that that's what I would assume. I, I would assume that he is eyeing at least four or five of like the top 10 cornerbacks that he knows he could get in the first, second and third round, you know, a, a wide range of guys. I mean, he, he, he must because, again, we're looking at Trey White and these are other questions that we were looking at. 
Trey White, you know, when is he back from his ACL tear? Is he back for week one? Probably not. Like, I'm not getting my hopes up that we're going to see Trey until November. Just to, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't like being disappointed for that. You know, the other question is how many more years of Hyden Poyer do we have? So if we end up, you know, getting rid of Poyer now or after the 2022 season, do we want to shift our, you know, superstar tandem safety duo into being a superstar tandem cornerback duo? in, you know, by drafting a cornerback or trading up for some high level guy like Stingley or sauce. Not that I think that's even possible, but, uh, and then, you know, the other question that's lingering out there, which is a minor one, but it's still out there is Dane Jackson. You know, how's he going? How's his development doing? Does the front office feel like he is going to be a long-term cornerback too for us? Uh, if so, maybe we hold off on cornerback until round three, round four, uh, if not, then, you know, is Dane Jackson just kind of perpetually a depth guy for us until he runs out of his contract and gets signed by the Steelers? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think they have a lot of faith in uh, Dane Jackson based on interviews with uh, McDermott and uh, Bean. I, I, I think they got a high praise for him. Yeah, they, they've they've spoken glowingly of him. And you never know with that kind of stuff with smoke screens and, oh, man, maybe they're just praising him so that they can like pair him with one of our sixth rounders and trade up in a, in the draft somewhere. Like I, you never know, but I, yeah, in, in press conferences and whatnot, they've, they've spoken glowingly of him and there's a reason they drafted him and there's a reason they scattered him and said that they liked him. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see about Dane, but uh, I, I am definitely still looking at cornerback round one pretty much no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, it's, you know, pick 25, you know, the obvious need right now is cornerback so it's like are we going to get blindsided by bean is something crazy going to happen where he goes a completely different direction um is he going to trade up is he going to trade down is he going to just you know take best player available like it's it's really so difficult to uh navigate oh very much and that's i mean that's kind of what we were saying earlier why as difficult as it is for us as bills fans to try to figure out like what the hell is you know bean doing it's so much fun because we are in such a wide open position that we could trade down. We could trade up. We could stay where we are. We could trade out of this draft entirely in the first round. And like, I wouldn't necessarily hate it. Like if we ended up, you know, trading a first round pick for like James Bradbury and draft compensation, like that wouldn't be awful, you know, from the giants getting a cornerback like that, that that'd be pretty cool. Um, I, so I don't know. There, there's a ton of different ways that the bills can go in this draft. And it's just, again, so refreshing to not be in the top, 12 picks desperately looking at what quarterbacks, you know, there are what offensive linemen there are that could, we desperately need, like we, we don't desperately need any position except probably cornerback. And even then, like we said, we don't know. Right. Right. Because last year, last year's draft, did you think that, uh, that Bean was going to go in the direction that he went in? Oh my God. When Rousseau's name was, I mean, I, I saw that Rousseau was still available and I remember like, watching highlights of him before the draft process and his, you know, insane length and his, how big he is and just insane athlete. But I never ever was like, yeah, Rousseau to the bills for sure. After we picked, you know, Epinesa and uh, Basham as well. Right. Or wait, did we pick Basham with Rousseau? With Rousseau. Oh, we did pick him with Rousseau. That's right. Uh, But after we picked Epinesa the year before, it was like, you know, there's no way we go edge first round. And then we go edge first round and edge second round. We double dip. Yeah, very, very odd. And and that's that's the only other position or uh, thing that I think that Bean has ever done that makes me kind of, you know, a little little question mark along with the Star Latule contract. Uh, Like, 
I would certainly rather not have Epinesa or Basham in exchange for, you know, obviously like Creed Humphrey or something like that. But every NFL fan base says that sort of thing about pretty much every draft pick. So, yeah. And obviously when we have our uh, state of the union uh, series coming up episodes <laughs> on here on the podcast, we'll be getting in depth uh, as to, you know, last year's draft picks and kind of where we see things going. And then this year's draft picks as well. We'll know by then. So it'll kind of be exciting to, uh, talk about all of that as well. Yeah, break, we're going to break down the whole, whole roster where we're at top to bottom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, why don't we jump into these prospects then? So 25. Yeah. So 25, I mean, the, the positions I think that <clears throat> we're exclusively looking at barring, like I said, something crazy, like Kyle Hamilton or like Jordan Davis falling to us at 25, which again, both of those things, I just, I think are not possible. Um, I think we're looking at exclusively cornerback guard wide receiver linebacker. I think those are the only four positions that the bills might take in the first round. So you don't think they're going to be crazy and take running back. I, I just, I don't see why we would take a running back at 25 when the same exact running back could be there at 57 or exactly. might only cost a trade up of like, you know, say, send our two sixth round picks that probably won't make the roster anyway with our second rounder to move up 10 spots. And we grab, you know, whatever our highest rated running back is. I, I just 25 is just not the spot for a running back when the cornerback need is so high right now. Right. Right. And I mean, we'll, we'll get into the running backs a little later and there's, I have nothing against Brees Hall or even Kenneth Walker or even Isaiah Spiller, which some people will think is controversial uh, in the first round, if, you know, Bean drafts them, because obviously if Bean drafts them, he is comfortable with it. So, you know, trust, trust the process and all that stuff. But me personally, as a, you know, armchair GM, I, I am not even looking at running backs in the first round at all. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I just, I see all these people though, that are, you know, they're, you know, they're saying, get ready for Brees Hall, pick number 25. Right. And I'm just like, I don't know. The the thing that really, you know, does it for me is the fact that we've never drafted a running back higher than the third round in this, you know, era. Uh, you know, Moss and Singletary were both third rounders. Uh, as well as the fact that we just seem like a team that is geared towards building the offensive line better. Uh, paired with the fact that, you know, we just hired Aaron Cromer, who's like one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL right now, if not the best. I feel like the focus is really going to be on build the line and get whatever running back we can get in, you know, maybe the second, maybe the third, maybe even, you know, day three, four, fourth or fifth round. Cause again, maybe the front office feels really comfortable with motor. Maybe they feel really comfortable with Duke Johnson as a pass catching back this year. And they feel like they can draft a running back in the fourth round that they can just kind of, you know, take a swing on the way that they did with Moss and just have Moss and that rookie compete for the third running back spot. Uh, I, I really don't know. That is again, where the question of, is motor uh, on this roster after 22, 2022. It, that's a question that we need to answer. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, as you said, around 25, we might be looking at Booth or McDuffie, a um, couple different quarterbacks there that we mm -hmm. could potentially fall. Do you see any uh, scenario where the Buffalo Bills trade up to get one of those higher tiered cornerbacks what what are your thoughts on that? You think you could see uh, Bean doing that? Yeah. Oh, very much. I I think a lot of people talk about us trading up to get Jamison Williams because people are so in love with him, myself included, of course. Um, but yeah, us trading up to get someone like Stingley or Sauce, 
uh, is definitely on the table. I mean, all, all it takes is some random run on quarterbacks and like one other position, like offensive tackle or edge in the first 10 picks for one of Stingley or sauce to fall down to like 11 with the commanders who need draft capital after trading away. What was it like a second and two thirds and a fourth for Carson Wentz? Like way, way too much, way too much. Uh, So, you know, the commanders need draft capital. So maybe they in a spot of a little bit desperation trade us, uh, you know, the 11th pick for 25, you know, maybe our second and then a second rounder next year, something like that. I don't know any, um, trades don't don't ask me about that stuff but <laughs> and and we jump ahead of the vikings who are desperately in need of a cornerback even more than us quite frankly and you know we nab saucer stingley that way that's that is definitely on the table and that's like i i think that's where bills fans need to like hold their breath a little bit between picks like seven and 13 because those are the spots that i think are most likely for us to trade up i don't think it's worth us trading up like five spots i don't really think there's a point of that no but if we traded up like 10 or 15 spots that would that would show a lot like that that would be very very telling about what this uh, regime's feeling is towards our 2022 season yeah and brandon bean did say that he has not done an all-in move yet i if you asked me i kind of felt like von miller was a bit of an all-in move uh the amount of money we gave him in the deal and everything but uh according to brandon bean he has not had he has not yeah a little bit he will will there's been no all-in move so will we see that will he you know go into the top 10 like that would be absolutely crazy yeah and i i feel like maybe you could read that as him saying him not doing an all-in move and you know you indicating von miller maybe because Von Miller is such a proven veteran talent, you know, like just one of the best defensive players of all time, quite frankly, that he's talking about, you know, making a major win now move as being something like the Stefan Diggs trade where you're sacrificing future draft capital to, you know, get a young guy that is going to be like a dynamic performer for years to come. And that, you know, is where, you know, you could put your tinfoil hat on and say, we're trading up to 11 or nine or eight to get Stingley or sauce. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's, it's on the table. So when it comes to, as soon as it hits like the seventh pick, Bill's fans hold your breath. Cause it, it, it could happen. Hold your breath. Indeed. Now, do you think they trade up for a position that's not cornerback? Like would they trade up for, you know, Garrett Wilson or uh, Jameson Williams, or do you think they'd exclusively only trade up here for someone like sauce? Yeah, I could see them because, I mean, you really, I mean, all you need to do is listen to Joe Marino of Locked on Bills talk for like five minutes about Jamison Williams and you'll fall in love. Or you could just watch like 30 seconds of highlights and you'll see it. I mean, Jamison Williams is legit. He he is an NFL receiver like right now. Uh, very small the way that Devontae Smith was last year for the Eagles. Uh, but he is better than Devontae Smith, in in my opinion. Uh, and I, I think he could fall down to the Eagles at 15 or uh, what's our other pick 18 uh, and be paired back up with his buddy Devonte. But if we traded up for him, I would say that's worth it. Him or Garrett Wilson, they're both top tier receivers. I mean, they're, they're both guys that would legitimately within a year or two compete with Diggs for wide receiver one, if their potential pans out. I mean, that's, that's real. So if, if the bills feel comfortable trading up for someone like that, again, I feel comfortable with it too. <laughs> Yeah, if if they traded up for a wide receiver like that, the offense would be absolutely insane. Having Diggs and Davis and potentially one of these rookies on the field at the same time, and then having like Crowder in the slot, like 
I just yeah. I mean, our it's our crazy. depth of that position, just being able to rotate. Yeah, Diggs, Davis, Crowder, McKenzie, this new rookie. If we you know did something like that, uh, on top of the fact that we have, we'll probably have like a rotational running back room and Motor and Duke Johnson and whatever rookie we have. On top of the fact that with tight ends, you know, we have Knox. We just signed Howard. We're probably going to draft a tight end as well. That's a sneaky position of need because Howard's only on a one-year deal and Knox is a free agent after 2022. Uh, so there, there is definitely some like crazy Hydra monster looking action that we could turn our offense into next year if we go that route with a wide receiver. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if we'll do that. That, that seems a little risky. Uh, especially given the fact that Jamison Williams just tore his ACL like uh, three months ago, but I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I think he's going to return. No problem. Sports medicine is it's so advanced now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's especially with the Buffalo bills. That's why I'm not too worried about Trey white. Cause they have really nice uh, state of the heart, state of the art uh, rehab facilities and everything. Yeah, the, so. the, the best in the league by far, which is really weird. Like I had to convince my wife, of it. Like she thought I was joking when I was saying that the bills have the best, you know, rehab and medical facilities and all that stuff and like workout stuff. Uh, cause she was just like, you know, figured it's Buffalo. It's probably a smaller everything, but no, the, the Pagoulas shelled out a lot of money for that. I will they give did. them props. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're making the, uh, you know, the city of Buffalo pay a little bit more. For the <laughs> yeah. Stadium. Right? They're like, we gave the players a really good weight room. Like, you did you guys forget? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the debt is transferred and now you owe us whatever, whatever it is, several hundred million dollars. Some insane amount of money. Now, see, I feel, I feel like if we did trade up for most likely a cornerback, I feel like sauce, I don't think he's leaving the top five. Like I, I really like, it's everyone's dream. I don't, <laughs> see it happening or being realistic, even if we did trade up and to say the top, like, you know, seven through 13, like what you were saying. Um, but Stingley, that, that would also be a really nice um, acquisition there. What are your thoughts on uh, possibly trading up for Stingley? Yeah. I mean, St- Stingley's awesome. And there are now rumors of him possibly going top three. Um, the, the Texans apparently really like him according to rumors, hmm. um, but they also really like sauce. So I, I don't know. I could see both of them going or not both of them either one of them that is going top four uh and then the other one falling all the way down to something like 11 or 12 just because like we were saying there could be a run on quarterbacks a run on offensive tackle on edge something like that and it just all all it takes is one team to make a decision that we don't expect and it could push one guy like 10 spots down the board the nfl draft is crazy like that and this year is uh very much in line with the craziness uh, but Stingley is possibly the most talented, like natural athlete in this entire class. Uh, people will argue, you know, that it's maybe Hutchinson, that it's maybe Kyle Hamilton, but Stingley in 2019 as a freshman, uh, he guarded sec receivers like an NFL cornerback. Uh, he, if you, there's a lot of, uh, tape of him doing practice reps against Jamar chase and he's like shutting Jamar chase down. And with how, you know, well Jamar chase played in his rookie year, that is enough like alone to prove to me that Stingley's good. He's fine. He'll come back from that injury. No problem. I, I don't, I don't care if, if he's there at 11 and we traded up for him, I would be infinitely happy. That would be like Josh Allen level draft pick happiness. Yeah. I, I would absolutely love that pick. I think he'd, he'd really, really help us out going up against Tyreek Hill and a couple of these other guys, possibly Debo Samuel. Oh my God. That, yeah. Like if we have to play Debo Samuel and Tyreek Hill, you know, Jalen Waddle twice a year, that's uh 
you know, it, it's a tall task. It's, you know, yeah, it's, that's pretty serious. Not to mention the fact that the Patriots, you know, they're possibly their biggest need this off season is wide receiver right now. Like they are targeting wide receiver for their pick. They have, I think 21. Yeah. Uh, and if, you know, one of those guys falls to them like Olave or London or Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson, and they pull the trigger on them. That's just one more potential future superstar wide receiver that our secondary is going to have to deal with. Right. Yeah. So we might see a trade up. I'm like, I could see it. it it's hard to tell. I could also see being though trading down. Um, I could also see him, you know, not being happy. I don't know if you saw, uh, I believe he said in an interview that he only has 25 first round grades for yeah, I, think, I think I saw that the players available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's not impressed with who he sees, you know, coming down, maybe all the cornerbacks get bought up early on. Um, or maybe yeah, he just, I mean, on, on this little like uh spreadsheet that, you know, we're looking at, I have, what is it? Six cornerbacks plus Daxton Hill listed on here for like a first round guy there's a chance that Bean only sees like two or three of these guys as actual first round grades. Right. Uh, who, who knows? So maybe, you know, if McDuffie and Booth both get taken up in the teens and there's not a cornerback there and Bean is adamant about getting a cornerback as his first pick, then maybe he trades down to the mid thirties and grabs a guy like Kyer Elam or Kyler Gordon or Roger McCreary who are expected to maybe fall a little bit. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of ways that I think that basically all of these, you know, quote unquote, first round cornerbacks plus Daxton Hill. I like to include him in the cornerbacks just because he's so versatile as a safety slot cornerback outside corner. Absolutely. Um, but there, there's a chance that any one of these guys basically could go as the first cornerback outside of maybe like Roger McCreary. He's, he's not going as the first cornerback. Um, there's a chance that any one of these guys could fall out of the first round, except maybe McDuffie. I think he's the only one that's guaranteed first round pick. Uh, all these other guys have concerns in one way or another. You know, Andrew Booth has injury concerns in Clemson. He missed the combine, the senior bowl, all that stuff with uh, some lower body injuries. Daxton Hill, he's a little undersized for a safety uh, and cornerback and maybe is only going to be good in the slot, which, you know, not exactly a super useful position for us considering the fact that we have Taron Johnson on a long-term deal. What, right. We sent him to what, four, four years, I think? I believe it was four years. Yeah, big oh, – God, I love that man. Um, Kyer Elam is a very, very unrefined guy, but very natural athlete. He had, I think, what was it, uh, seven penalties in 10 games in 2021. That's that's a little uh, it's a little concerning. And he also does that thing, and I, I remember I wrote this in the spreadsheet. The most frustrating thing in the world to me is when a cornerback uh, goes for the big shoulder hit on a running back instead of just wrapping them up, and the running back easily goes around them and, uh, you know, goes for oh. a 20 yard game. It's, it's exactly how the Minnesota or the Minneapolis miracle happened with Stefan Diggs, that cornerback yep. that went for like the knockout hit instead of just, just jump up and grab Diggs and the game's over. Like right. I, what, it's insane. So if, if we drafted a guy like that, that is like one of the biggest frustrations for me as a, as a football fan watching cornerbacks do that. So hope, hopefully that could be coached out of him. If we, if we went that direction, um, Kyler Gordon, I, he is one of the guys that I have like a super high first round grade on, uh, over some of these other guys. He, I think is a guy that we should target at 25. If he's there, uh, he played opposite McDuffie in Washington's, uh, defense and people just did not throw to McDuffie. He's got way shorter arms. He has, let's see, 29 and seven eighth inch arms, which is not, not good. You want, let's see, like the other guys, Andrew Booth is at 31 and a fourth, uh, Daxon Hill is at 32 and three eighths. Kyler Gordon, he's at 31 and one eighth. So he's a, he, he's got much better length than, uh, than McDuffie, but 
uh, Gordon just got thrown to way more. So he got way more reps in college uh, right here. He 434 snaps on special teams. The dude played all over the place. I, I love Kyler Gordon. His combine performance was a little iffy. He tested not as well as you want in like the 40 and, uh, and three cone and whatnot, but he, I don't know on tape, he plays way faster than he, he did at the combine. It's kind of like Kyle Hamilton, how, you know, at the combine, he ran, what was it like a four five, five. And then right. his pro day, a four, seven. And everyone's saying, is Kyle Hamilton actually slow? And it's like, if you watch tape, you run, you see him running on the field and outrunning wide receivers that ran like a four, four. So it's obviously it, it does translate in, in some way. So I don't know, 40, 40 times are deceptive in that, in that way. They really are. You know, sometimes you see guys that you really think you love coming out of the combine and then they end up to be duds. So it, it's really just, some people just perform well at the combine, you know, and then on mm-hmm. tape, they're just, you know, different. So. Yeah, but, very, very much. Uh, I can absolutely. I, I think that the, um, the two cornerbacks that I have been looking at the most, just based on the bills draft tendencies is Roger McCreary a little less so just because of he has, he has even shorter arms than McDuffie. I think his arms are under 29 inches. Like they're, yeah, I think they're 28. I have this wrong. I think they're 28 and three fourths, uh, which is just, I mean, that's tiny. I think my dog has longer legs than he has arms. <laughs> um, but Andrew Booth out of Clemson, I mean, that's, that's an ACC guy. Bills love ACC guys. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries, but when he was out there playing, the, the dude is a number one cornerback for sure. He is a ball hawk penalized one time in college I see and I I should have mentioned this I'm a Clemson fan and uh it's also the reason why I'm a Bills fan uh but he after watching basically every game that he played in college and he was only really a one-year starter I think as a senior uh he shut down dudes you know Clemson had a disappointing season last year they you know finished with whatever it was like eight wins when they are normally like a 13 plus win team. Right. But if there was one like shining spot on that Clemson defense, it was Andrew Booth legitimately shutting down basically every number one receiver that they faced. I think that that's definitely one of the fan favorites right now for us selecting mm-hmm. a 25. And I think that him dropping to 25 is very reasonable. Absolutely reasonable. Yeah. And again, he, along with McDuffie are the two guys that I really like, I have no idea. I could see, something crazy like the Seahawks who they always draft kind of nutty having a really high grade on one of those two guys and taking them at nine. I could also see both of them falling down to 25 just based off of again, McDuffie and his short arms booth and his injury concerns. Like we were saying, all it takes is one team to draft a quarterback or something like that. And it will throw the entire drafts off by a very, very wide margin. That is just what happens. Right. And uh, this year we don't have to worry about John Gruden doing anything crazy in the first round. That's true. It's... Yeah. He won't be drafting Alex Leatherwood. Uh, in the first round. <laughs> it's true. Oh my gosh. Leave it up to the Raiders to uh, screw up how the players fall. Yeah. Right. But they drafted Devonte Adams with their first round pick this year. So, you know, that's don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Not so bad. Um, next position to really quickly talk about before we get into the slightly less likely, I think ones, uh, guard. If we were to go interior offensive line, I mean, there's really only three guys to talk about Zion Johnson out of BC, Kenyon green out of Texas A&M. And then like the crazy man's pick, which is Tyler Linderbaum, uh, the center, uh, that, that one I think is pretty outlandish, but, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. He's a very talented guy. You know, the way that Creed Humphrey fell in the draft and now everyone regrets it. 
Uh, would the Bills regret letting him fall past us? I don't know. I don't really want to talk about Linderbaum. Uh, Zion Johnson, though, he's a guy that I have seen a lot of mocks and a lot of rumors from scouts say that some teams have a top 10 grade on him. It's just that he plays guard, you know, and right. that that will easily drop a guy down. Um, but in college, I mean, he had double digit starts at guard, uh, left tackle and right tackle. He took reps at center during senior bowl practice uh, and only one flag in his senior season. The dude is a very talented offensive lineman, pretty much no matter how you spin it. Uh, I, he's, he's one of the guys that I've like kind of really keyed in on. I, I love him. He was a two-time captain at BC. He played golf in high school, like a legitimate really? really good golf athlete. Yeah. He was a zero star athlete coming out of high school, went to the FCS, transferred to the FBS and like just improved every year going from where did he go? Was he Illinois state? I don't, I don't remember where he's from. Um, but uh, he, he's a guy that, yeah, I, I have really keyed in on him. And he's maybe, like, I sent you that picture, that, like, giant draft board that I have. Do I have him on there? Let's see. He, he should probably be a little higher. I have him at, like, eight for the Bills. There, there, are, there are very few players that I would want us to draft over Zion Johnson. I would be very happy with them going Zion Johnson. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, again, that's where the question comes in of, is Roger Saffold only on the bills for 2022 is, you know, Rick Bates, our long-term guard. Is that, is that, I mean, I know they gave him that contract, but he only Four started, years. what was it like six games, something like that? Like, yeah, it's, it's not like he's a, you know, long-term proven starter in the NFL. He's, he's kind of still got a lot to prove. So again, I, I, I would be 0% surprised if we went with Zion Johnson or Kenyon green, who, I mean, I, I like Kenyon green a lot too, uh, I just like Zion Johnson a little bit better. He's I don't really, I don't, I don't really have any, any deeper thoughts on that because it's offensive line. And I mean, I, again, I don't, I'm an armchair GM. I don't really know that much about offensive line. I just love Zion Johnson. Yeah. The way he finishes blocks though, in the run game, everything, mm-hmm. it's just, Oh, you just love he, to see it. He is a mauler and he, he played in the same kind of scheme that we run. We, he played in his own uh, scheme in college uh the other position that you know again a little bit of like a tinfoil hat position is linebacker that we were talking about is if we were to trade Edmonds or maybe bring in a linebacker and let him play next to Edmonds and then let Edmonds walk for a comp pick next year I don't know but you know you got Devin Lloyd out of Utah who he I mean he's a superb athlete the dude is really good in coverage really good uh as a blitzer and he also he played over 500 career special team snaps so I mean he's you know he's all over the place uh, he's a middle linebacker in college. He played a nickel scheme, just like we do. Um, played safety in high school, uh, led Utah in tackles three straight years, was an All-American, won all kinds of awards. He was, you know, Pac-12 first team linebacker for, I think, two years in a row. He's really, really good. Uh, great size on him, too, which is in contrast to Nicobe Dean, who's the other common first-round linebacker out of Georgia, who he is a lot smaller um, like Devin Lloyd is like 6'3, 245, I think, 33 inch arms. Nicobe Dean's only 5'11, like 225, 31 inch arms. He's a lot smaller, but he's a much better like mind for football. That's that's the consensus on Nicobe Dean that I've I've read up and, and seen in film. Mm-hmm. Um, he started all 25 games the last two years. He was the like unquestioned leader on their uh, championship defense last year that, you know, like dominated. That was like one of my favorite, as much as I hate Georgia just in general, because their fans are obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> all those stats that came up during their games where it was like Georgia in their last like nine games have allowed like 
10 points and a total of like 300 yards. It's just, that was an insane defense. And he was like absolutely the unquestioned leader. So I would assume that if we drafted a guy like Lloyd or Dean, we're trading Edmonds and we are turning them and molding them into like the next leader of the defense. That would be my assumption. But again, seems a little less likely to me. I, I don't, I don't think we're going linebacker. Yeah. I, I think they're going to ride it out with Tremaine Edmonds and kind of see mm-hmm how he goes um, this year. Again, he's another one of those players where it's kind of just like could go both ways, you know, kind of like with Devin Singletary, a lot mm-hmm. of mixed opinions. Yeah. just I, You know, we're running out of money. We don't, we don't have all the money in the world to pay every single guy in the roster. Unfortunately, Edmonds is probably, you know, the, the first guy out, um, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Let him walk after the season, get maybe a comp pick, you know, for it use use up the last you know the the fifth the fifth year option on helping get us a super bowl i'm fine with that yeah you know that that works for me um now the position that everyone wants to talk about for first round uh is is wide receiver and i don't know i i could talk about the top tier guys like drake london and jameson williams and garrett wilson all day it's just it's it's very unlikely that we're going to get them because the only way we get those guys is if we trade up pretty far, like, you know, 10 or 15 picks or one of them posts a picture of, you know, a gas mask bong. What was it with the <laughs> council? Um, so the, the guys in the first round, like the only three guys that I would really look at are Chris Olave, Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson. I don't even think that Olave is going to fall to us. I'm assuming he's gone maybe by pick 22, the Packers, 19 to the saints, 18 to the Eagles, 17 to the Chargers. There, there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking at Olave because once a team takes a wide receiver, I'm assuming the first wide receiver goes 10 to the jets, or if not 10 to the jets, then 10 to the 49ers when they trade, you know, Debo Samuel. Right. As soon as that happens, I think there's going to be a huge run on them. Uh, like I think 11 could be wide receiver, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 could all be wide receiver. Even the Steelers at 20, if they like, for some reason, don't go quarterback wide receiver is like one of their sneaky needs because outside of who do they have Deontay Johnson and Claypool outside of them, they don't really have a wide receiver now that Juju is off the roster. Right. Uh, But I mean, Chris Olave is arguably wide receiver one for some people in this draft. And yet here we are talking about him falling to us at 25, which would be crazy. He's got like all kinds of Ohio state receiving records. He's like the all-time leader in touchdowns. He's a three-year starter. Uh, it's kind of crazy. He never hit a thousand yards in a season. And that mostly just results in the fact that he was playing in a, you know, Ohio state offense that is got a lot of talented wide receivers around him. So a lot of those yards were sucked away, but uh, Chris Olave would be one of those guys that like, along with Jamison Williams, I mean, I would just be ecstatic. Like that would take our offense to a whole nother level. It, it would be insane. Uh, Olave's route running is just, absolutely superb but oh it's 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 buttery smooth i wish he got yards after the catch more it's so frustrating to watch him like make an insane body twisting catch after you know juking someone out of a route and then he gets tackled three yards later because he can't make a move to get out of a tackle it's it's very odd i don't really understand that yeah i I definitely want to go with a guy who gets a lot of yak yeah, because I mean that's that that is what we've been missing, I think, in our wide receiver room. I, I love that, you know, our guys make the catches and secure them and just go to the ground safely. But getting a guy like Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, who was like the I I I, I am an Auburn fan as well. So I, I watched a few Arkansas games and 
all the ones that I saw of him, I mean, he's all over the place. He's, he's so versatile. He took snaps outside slot on the line in the backfield. Uh, he could probably do some punt and kick return stuff with how versatile he is, even though he doesn't have the, you know, crazy long speed that some of these other guys do. Like I think Burks's 40 time was like four five, five, which, I mean, that's still not bad. It's just not, you know, four, three, nine, the way Chris Olave ran or four, three, eight, the way Garrett Wilson ran or Jamison Williams, who probably runs like a four, two, nine, but we don't know. Right. Uh, Traylon Burks would be awesome. His, his yards after catchability is, uh, is pretty cool because that's primarily how he was used in college. He was a dump it off for two yards or as like a screen behind the line of scrimmage. And then Burks would just make something happen, uh, which it, uh, some people might be like steered away from that because, you know, they want a guy that can go out there and make, you know, good, good routes, make good catches deep down the field, especially in our offense. But having Burks come out of the backfield or coming out of the slot and just kind of like be feisty the way that McKenzie is just opposite, you know, Burks being like a big bodied version of it and McKenzie being like a speedy version of it. Uh, that is another way that our offense would just like sky high to another level. Yeah. And I mean, I, if, if the bills do, you know, trade up to get one of these wide receivers, I, I think that they're going to go with a speed guy because you've, we've heard uh, McDermott and Bean discuss in length that how, uh, you can't pass up speed. You know, it's, it's, they're always looking to add players with speed always. Yeah. And I mean, our, our team needs it. Uh, that's, that is how we could get by a team like the chiefs. Like we saw how the chiefs beat us, obviously, other than poor defensive game planning at the end is Tyreek Hill was just fast as fuck. Like he just got out there and outran everyone. Uh, and if we can get a wide receiver that can do that, along with having Stefan Diggs, who's, you know, arguably like a top three receiver in the league, probably like top five, more like uh, right now, Gabe Davis, you know, showing out, it would, it would again, take our offense to a whole new level. And it, that's, that's the kind of way that leads Josh Allen to us going like 17 and out. That's, that's how that happens. Which we all want to see, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just jumping into, we can go wide receivers first for the day two guys that we have. I'm just kind of like plowing through uh, some of the speedier guys that you would want. Um, you've got Calvin Austin, who everyone loves, obviously. Um, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan and Wandale Robinson. All three of those guys all have similar body types. They're all like like Calvin Austin's 5'8", Wandale Robinson's 5'8", Sky Moore's 5'10". They all run like a 4'4", 4'3", something like that. Um, they're speedy. They're all just much less refined than some of the other guys like Olave or Wilson or Jameson Williams which that, I think that was fine because if we take these guys day two or day three or not day two or day three, round two or round three, um, we're not drafting them to be our wide receiver one or right wide receiver two, or maybe even wide receiver three, you know, like they're probably our wide receiver four coming into camp. Like right. they have to prove that they can, even if we draft a wide receiver in the first round, they have to prove that they can play better than McKenzie, better than Crowder. Uh, Cause those guys are, you know, proven veterans on NFL rosters. These other guys are not. Yeah, and I mean, we brought back McKenzie, so clearly they want to have him in there. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they brought him back on a multi-year deal. So he they, they are putting an emphasis on speed in that way, and I'm wondering, yeah, do we double down by getting a round two, round three speedy guy like Wandale Robinson, Calvin Austin, Sky Moore? I mean, John Mechie as well. He's an Alabama guy. Uh, along with Jameson Williams, he I think he tore his ACL in the yeah, SEC championship game. Uh, so... Alabama receivers just dealing with some torn ACLs, but he's a speedy guy and he 
you know, is expected to come back before Jamison Williams. You know, he tore his ACL like two, two and a half months earlier. Um, so that that's where we could go. I mean, even a guy like Alec Pierce, who he is a, he's a guy out of Cincinnati, ran a four, four, one, 40 and a half inch vertical, 10 and 10 foot, nine inch broad jump. The dude went crazy at the combine. He's just, you know, he played at Cincinnati, a little less refined, pretty basic route tree has a long way to go. But again, if we're drafting a wide receiver in round three and letting them just kind of slowly come up as our wide receiver, you know, three or four until Crowder or McKenzie are off the roster in a year or two, that works for me. That works great for me. If we go cornerback round one, um, I mean, I don't know what, do you think, do we need a big body receiver on the roster? I feel like we've got that in Gabe Davis. Yeah. I Gabe Davis. I feel like he's going to have an explosive year. So I'm, I'm, really just excited to see Gabe Davis go out there and show out this year. Yeah. He, he is another one of those guys. I think that's on the roster. That is like a major hinge guy for me. Like a whole lot is swinging on him. Cause if he can prove to be like a wide receiver one type guy, and we can have him and Diggs on the roster, you know, for the next five plus years. I mean, that's, that's, that's how teams win multiple Super Bowls right there. That's, that's how offensive minded teams go out there and win Super Bowls. It, it, it really wasn't until remember that like lull that the Patriots had of Super Bowls where from like 2000, whatever it was like eight to 2000, was it 14 or so that they like, didn't go to a Super Bowl. They didn't have a wide receiver. That's why they had Wes Welker and Julian Edelman who, you know, all five foot seven of them right. going out there trying to make plays that you need wide receiver ones out there. Yeah. What uh, It wasn't until they got, you know, Brandon cooks uh, and uh, who, who else did they, who do they have for the Falcons run for their wide receiver one? Was that cooks? Oh, uh, pa- Patriots wide receivers are so hard to remember just because other than like guys like Welker and Edelman, I feel like right. they just flutter in and out every, they do. every couple of years. Same with the running backs as well. It's so funny. I mean, it's it's because they have just relied on Brady all, all these years and they didn't need to rely on actual talent around them. But some other guys we can talk about, I guess, like to pair up with wide before we get, we can finish off with like cornerback and running back just because those are the most exciting. Just a rapid fire through a couple other day two positions. Uh, you know, offensive line, there's a ton of interior offensive line that have, you know, day two grades. Uh, a lot of guys that I'm excited about, um, Dylan Parham out of Memphis, who he's going to be like a 24 year old rookie, unfortunately, but he played all over the place playing linebacker and tight end in high school in college. He played both guard positions and right tackle. Um, he's, he's just a really good player. And again, the knock on him is just, he's a little undersized and he played at Memphis. So not as good competition, but I don't know the bill, the bills again, like we were saying, they've proven that they draft guys out of the AAC. They draft guys out of the FCS. They, they know how to scout, you know, raw unproven talent. Yeah. That's another thing. They love to draft these project type players, you know, like last year, mm-hmm. prime example, picking up Gregory Rousseau. Yeah. Big process guy. Are they going to go for a couple more process guys early on in these draft picks? Yeah. Bills love to draft guys that have been doubted that were not recruited. And that's, you know, that's another reason why I love Zion Johnson came in as a zero star recruit, went to FCS and then transferred to FBS. That is exactly the kind of guy that the bills love. I'm just hoping they go with more of an impact right away type of player this year. Someone who's going to help them, you know, make this Super Bowl run that we're all looking forward to. That's why I really think Mm -hmm. trading up for a, higher running back or not a higher running back cornerbacks just yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean and that, that's 
talk, you know, speaking about running back, I mean, may, may as well just go into it right now. That's kind of why I'm anti running back round one is because as much as it might help us this year, do we really want to draft a player that's only going to see like 30% of snaps maybe this season? Uh, I would much rather draft a cornerback that sees, you know, 95 plus percent of the snaps as long as they stay healthy. And then, you know, that's what I'm saying. Draft a running back round two, round three. There are plenty of guys, you know, Kenneth Walker, I assume probably goes somewhere in the thirties. He's out of Michigan state. He's the guy that we draft at like 25. If the bills are already done with motor after 2022, if they're convinced like motor, thank you, but we're going to bring in some fresh legs and Kenneth Walker, you are running back one. Like if we draft him, that is the indication. Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller on the other hand are like the round one, maybe round two, round three guys that, you know, they're the pass catchers, the the blockers out of the backfield. I think Isaiah Spiller is much better at that than Brees Hall is. A lot of his pass, uh, the passes that he caught out of the backfield that people love to talk about with drafting him at 25 uh, are like little dinky screen passes or, you know, out in the flat, which, you know, that's great and all if you can make a play like that, but are you going to be able to make those same plays against, you know, NFL level speed at cornerback and linebacker? Isaiah Spiller, on the other hand, ran like legitimate routes out of the backfield. He was running, you know, like wheel routes out of the backfield. He was running post routes out of the backfield. He, uh, Joe Marino talks about Isaiah Spiller all the time, talking about how much he loves his vision and contact balance and how much that means as a running back. And, you know, it translates to success. And I mean, it, it shows on tape. Isaiah Spiller is not fast the way that, you know, Walker or Hall are like Walker and Hall ran, uh, four, three, nine, four, three, eight. Like those are, you know, it's wide receiver speed. Spiller at the combine ran a four, six, three. That's much slower. And a lot of people are steered away from that kind of, you know, slowness. Right. Yeah, he's going to be have to be a little bit of more of a north to south kind of guy in the NFL, I'm thinking. Yeah, my hope with him, if we were to draft Spiller, is the same thing that I have with a guy like Damian Pierce out of Florida, who's more like a day or a round three, round four guy, or Brian Robinson out of Alabama, who could honestly, if a team likes him enough, he could sneak into like the mid third round. But, uh, Spiller and Pierce and Robinson all would take away basically all of those short yard reps from Josh Allen. Anytime we need one or two yards, please no more Josh Allen rushing up the middle. Oh, for the love of God. I don't mind the, you know, scrambling where he can kind of control how much he gets hit, you know, or like the designed quarterback runs the outside where he can, you know, dump off a pass if he's about to take a big hit if he's running up the middle, I just don't, I don't like linebackers coming in and like spearing him in the helmet. Let Isaiah, not that I want our running backs to get injured or anything, but you know, Brian Robinson out of Alabama, for instance, who I had an exchange on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago with, I don't remember, maybe it was Aaron Quinn uh, or Greg Thompson on cover one. Brian Robinson is, he's six, two and change close to two thirty. 32 inch arms. He only runs like a four five, three, like 30 inch, uh, vertical, like very, you know, tested at the combine very poorly, but that's not what he does. Like he's just a huge body. He's built like a linebacker, give him the ball and where a normal running back will get you, you know, back to the line of scrimmage or one yard, Brian Robinson will fall forward and just guaranteed get you five yards. Yeah. And that's, we, we need a guy like that because that was supposed to be Moss. Moss was supposed Mm -hmm. to be the more physical, like can get the short yardage. And obviously didn't pan out. And I'm tired of seeing Josh, like what you said, you know, yeah. and that's, quarterback cause, cause runs. Zach Moss is, he's like what, five, nine or something like that. Right. He's like pretty he's short. short. Yeah. Cause da- Damian Pierce out of Florida, he's another guy that he's 
similar play style to Zach Moss, but he's shorter. He's five, nine, he's two twenty. where, you know, a guy like Isaiah Spiller or Brian Robinson, you know, I, we just talked about a huge Brian Robinson is Isaiah Spiller is six foot one, two fifteen, So he's got the size. I, I think a lot of people are really hyper-focused on us getting a pass catching back, you know, as high as the first round, maybe the second round, Brees Hall, even us talking about Isaiah Spiller being a pass catching back. What if the bills are happy with Duke Johnson as a pass catching back? Because, uh, and we'll talk about this in our little state of the team episode that we do, but Duke Johnson is just as good a pass catcher, if not better than JD McKissick, who we were all disappointed, you know, changed his mind and didn't sign with us. Yeah. When you look what at the if, average stats, he's better. Yeah, exactly. What if we, what if Bean loves Duke Johnson as a pass catcher for 2022 and thinks, eh, we'll focus on pass catching running back down the line. Let's get a power running back. Let's get Isaiah Spiller. Let's get Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, uh, I don't know any of the other power running backs beyond, you know, day two guys, really. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with day three guys as much as, uh, I promised myself I would be this close to the draft, but, uh, d- day three is just, it's too hard. I'm, I'm not being paid to be a GM, so I'm not going to work. It's like a GM, too sporadic you know? all over the place. <laughs> uh, I just find like a handful of guys that are, are fun and we'll, we'll talk about them at the very, very end. Um, linebackers day two, there, that another reason why I'm anti linebacker round one, there's a ton of, uh, day two graded linebackers, Quay Walker and Chad Muma, uh, Quay Walker out of Georgia, Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Both those guys are like arguably round one running backs, both have or not running backs, linebackers. Uh, both of them have great instincts, uh, for just getting to the ball. Uh, both of them are very naturally talented athletes. Uh, you know, Muma running like a four, six, three at the combine 40 inch vertical, almost 11 foot broad jump, 27 bench press reps. Like, I mean, he, he went crazy. Uh, he is not like, I, I wish Chad Muma played with more power. Uh, he is a big guy. I mean, he's what he's six, three, two forty. but sometimes he doesn't like throw his weight around as easily as he should, uh, which would steer me away from getting him in the first round. Quay Walker is just less refined than Nicobe Dean. And I think that if Nicobe Dean was not on that Georgia Bulldogs roster, Quay Walker would be a first round linebacker. It's just, you know, when you're playing, I mean, I don't know. It's that, that, that's why Georgia defensive players, all of them, even the sneaky guys that we could pick if they fell like Devonte Wyatt and like Jordan Davis or something like that. How do you grade a lot of these guys? Because that Georgia defense was just so stacked. Exactly. How do you grade them against each other? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's hard to look at because if you got one guy and he's got all these other great guys around him, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to see what he actually is without that supporting cast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that if Nicobe Dean falls out of the first round, there's a chance that we see Nicobe Dean Quay Walker and uh, let's say the guy Channing Tindall from Georgia, all linebackers there's a chance we see them all get picked in like a 10 pick space, which would be like one of the craziest little like draft trivia tidbits I've ever seen. Now, how about uh tight ends? Cause tight ends. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like a sneaky, sneaky position of need. I, I mean, you know, obviously round one, not going to happen round two. I would hope wouldn't happen uh, because we had, we're solidified at the position at least for this year. But, you know, day three, that's where I sort of look at tight ends. And if Trey McBride fell that far, which he probably won't, he's a, you know, superb pass catcher, a pretty good blocker. He's, you know, arguably tight end one out of this draft. He used to be the consensus tight end one, but kind of has fallen off. And I think a lot of that is a little Kayvon Thibodeau style, like draft fatigue. People are just talk, tired of talking about the top uh, prospect at each position. Uh, Greg Dulcich at UCLA is an insane athlete, uh, very, very good Uh 
pass catcher, he would come in and very much replace Dawson Knox long-term if the Bills, for some reason, didn't want to give Knox a uh, a contract. Not a very good blocker uh, and has some penalty issues. I mean, kind of both of them do. McBride did as well. Uh, some other later guys, uh, these are guys that I think would have come much later than Dulcich or Bride. Ruckert uh, out of Ohio State, Kate Otten out of uh, Washington. Those are two guys that were a little underutilized in college. They were more so used as like, pass blockers and they were pass catchers, but they both showed that they have great hands, great like body control. Like if, if they could be coached up and, you know, see more snaps as pass catchers, they would also come in and like really, really do a good job replacing, you know, probably OJ Howard. I'm going to stop talking about replacing Knox because I don't want it to happen. Right. <laughs> and that was one of the issues with Knox coming out of college is he didn't have a lot of those uh, pass catching snaps. You know, he was blocking a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming out of Ole Miss. And uh, that's where I see another guy. Here's an ACC guy, Jelani Woods, who I mentioned earlier out of Virginia. There's a few glaring problems with him up front. Like he's only been, you know, one good year as a tight end, uh, changed positions a good bit. He's going to be a 24-year-old rookie, has some technique issues that he needs to work on. But as far as like being a natural athlete goes, uh, huge frame, very athletic. He breaks tackles, no problem. Just getting yards after catch, like crazy. He blocks very aggressively, even though he's not a very good blocker. Uh, he zero blocking penalties in 2021 though. Uh, the dude, yeah, he is six one two fifty with 34 and a half inch arms. The dude, he's a big, big dude. Um, ran a, yeah, ran a four, six, one, which is pretty damn good for a, for a tight end. There, there are definitely some solid tight end options for us that like uh, round three, I tight end, I think is one of the positions that I'm really looking at. If we go, you know, the obvious like cornerback running back uh, rounds one and two round three, I'm looking a lot more strategic than I am like wide receiver or offensive line or something like that. That's where I feel like the bills need to invest like long-term and get a linebacker to replace Edmonds, you know, get a tight end to replace Howard you know, maybe get a safety to replace uh, Poyer. Right. And that's, that's the next uh, possible casualty of yeah. next year. Are we going to lose Poyer? So do we look this, uh, this draft at picking up a safety here on day two or three? Yeah. Yeah. The safety class is is pretty intriguing. I mean, we kind of sneaky talked about Kyle Hamilton falling to us at 25, which is definitely possible. It's, it's there, but if, you know, barring that, there are some top tier guys. There's a guy that I didn't put on this sheet that we're looking at Lewis scene out of Georgia, another Georgia guy. I, I, there's basically no way he makes it to us at 57. So I just didn't include him. Like he's going to go somewhere in the early second round Jalen Petre and Jaquan Brisker, I think are also going to be gone, but there's a, they have a better chance of falling than uh scene does. I think Petre and Brisker are both like pretty much one-to-one Jordan Poyer. Uh, they would be great replacements, you know, Petre, I mean, just going off of like his accolades and all these notes I have for him. I mean, the dude won big 12 defensive player of the year, only FBS player in 2021 with three fumble recoveries, three fumble forces, uh, two interceptions, 31 tackles for a loss in 23 games. My God, uh, senior captain here in two degrees while he was in college, 2021, all uh, academic, all American, like P- Petre is a little bit, my dream at, at safety. If we were to like trade Poyer right now, for some reason. Uh, but again, Petre and Brisker, I, I don't think they're going to make it down to us. Uh, cook, uh, out of Cincinnati and Nick cross out of Maryland though. Those guys are much more like round three guys. They're basically everything that you'll find in Petre guys like Poyer guys like Kyle Hamilton, just, 
you know, downgraded a little bit, you know, a little less fast. Nick Cross actually does have the speed to match a lot less technique, you know, has some more penalties on them than these other guys do. So those are just guys that, you know, the bills would just need to feel comfortable in their ability to coach those guys up if they were to take them, you know, day three. Yeah. And you also know that for the bills, you know, one of the factors that they look at is, you know, what's the attitude of the player? Are they hardworking? Do they fit the culture here of Buffalo? That's another big part of, a lot of these prospects, you know, obviously they go and they have mm-hmm. visits with these guys and they go through the whole interview process and everything. And they're, you know, they're, they're going to pick the guys that are hardworking. And like you said, you got some of the notes here, you know, they're positive attitudes, hard workers at practice, you know, those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I prefer to, you know, look at the draft like this and we're, I'm going to post this sheet on the subreddit with this podcast episode to everyone can look at it. Um, but I mean, you know, doing a mock draft is fun and everything, but there's so much information that we as fans just do not know at all. We don't know how the interviews go. We don't know anything about the medicals, you know, for the most part. We don't know what the team finds out on the background of these guys. We don't know if there's any sort of like personal relationship between them and the team. You you never know. There's so many things that are just out there um, that we as fans will never have access to that makes actually right. doing an accurate mock draft pretty much impossible. Like even the most accurate mock drafters in the first round only get like 15, 16 picks, right? Like if you get half the picks, right, you are a mock draft genius. You, you are know? a God. Yeah. Very, very much. Like it, my mock draft that I'm doing that I'm hoping I'm probably going to finish like 10 minutes before the draft on Thursday night. Like I'm hoping I can get eight players right to like the, the right teams, you know, yeah, that, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Cause I mean, all we have to go off of is numbers and notes and, uh, you know, tape and everything, but these teams, you know, they, they see the players as a whole, they meet with the players and go through the whole process. So it's just mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. a different view for them. than A what whole we side of the process that I would love to get, like, you know, fly on the wall. Right. I, I would, there's not an amount of money that would, uh, I would not pay. To, we need to get Buffalo on uh, hard knocks. Uh, that it, it would be kind of fun. Once, once we win a Super Bowl, I would love for us to be on hard knocks. I think, I think let's, let's get the Super Bowl out of the way and then we can have a fun little distraction of hard knocks and seeing the behind the scenes of this team. Right. Um, the, before we round out with cornerbacks, let's briefly talk about defensive line just because, I mean, again, it's not really a position of need. We've got, you know, we signed Daquan Jones and Tim Settle. We've got, you know, Ed Oliver, um, you know, Von Miller coming in uh, off the edge is going to help our interior defensive line, I think, a ton. Uh, but... What do you, where do you see that as far as a need goes? I mean, I want to see the guys we drafted last year, like, like Boogie Basham. I yeah. think he played what three or four games he was in. Like, I could be wrong, but he was in there. We did I, not I think get he to see played a lot, a lot more than that, but you didn't see him very often. You know, it would no. be like, he, he would come in for like five snaps and then come out. It, it, it was not, which, I mean, that's fine. It's a deep, you know, edge room. It's a deep defensive line room, especially now, uh, so he, you know, he's going to have a hard time getting on the field, but I mean, you know, he spent a second round pick on him. We need to, we need to use him in some way. So right. if we don't, these are the guys that we could look at. And again, a lot of these guys are guys that are going to go in the thirties, in the forties. So the only way that we were to draft these guys is some really weird scenario where like we trade down from 25 and get like picks 40 and 41 from the Seahawks or like 35 and 38 from the jets, something crazy like that. And then we double dip at like cornerback. And then for some reason, defensive line in the second round. Um, But the guys like Travis Jones at a UConn, Logan Hall at a Houston, two guys from smaller ish schools. 
uh, that absolutely dominated their level of competition, like no problem of physical specimens. They're both guys that I'm projecting go uh, as like the first interior defensive lineman in the second round uh, of guys that could fall down to us at like 57. If again, for some weird reason, we went interior defensive line. Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma was a uh, monster at the senior bowl. He won game MVP actually. So that's very intriguing. And I, I feel like that's another guy that he just, that alone pushes him up to like, you know, 38 to the jets or like 37 to the Texans. Like, again, all it takes is one team to fall in love with a guy and he'll be gone, you know, 10 picks earlier than what you think he would. Right. Um, DeMarvin Leal, Fedarian Mathis. I don't know how you say is it Fedarian Fedarian. And then John Ridgeway at Arkansas, three uh, SEC guys that all performed really well in you know their own ways. DeMarvin Leal was a versatile guy that kind of disappointed because of that. They threw him all over the line from edge defender to nose tackle, which is insane. Um, had his best season in 2021, which is good. But the question for him, just as like a draft, just, you know, as, as a whole looking at it, he needs to prove that he can like play at one position and actually have success. Cause you're not going to have success in the NFL bouncing from nose tackle out to edge. That's just not possible. <laughs> it's not how it works. No, not at all. And then, I mean, Mathis is just an Alabama, huge, big body defensive tackle, very classic Alabama defensive tackle in round two that we've seen over the last like 15 years. Uh, he, he played defensive end in a three man front that Alabama has. And then John Ridgeway out of Arkansas, he's a dude, he transferred out of, uh, I think, S FCS, uh, Illinois State. He only played one year at uh, Arkansas, but he, there was like the tape between Illinois State and Arkansas, there is no difference. He dominated SEC competition the same way he did Illinois State competition, which is really impressive to just do that, you know, all at once. Only missed one game as well. So he's a guy that like, I don't know, it's, it, it would, it would be kind of cool to see him drafted if he fell to us in like the fourth round or something like that. Um, you know, if they're available, uh, you know, being, he can't hesitate on those things. He, he loves the defensive line. Oh yes. Yeah. Our, our team is definitely built from the defensive line out, which I mean, I, I love it. I, I, which I think that's why Von Miller coming in is such a help because if he can coach up, even if he could coach up like one of Epinesa or Basham to being, you know, depth, like, you know, quality depth for like the long term, I would take that in a heartbeat, you know, if he can even just coach one of those guys up. Yeah. And we still really don't know what we have in either of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So to round out this big old discussion that we're having with, uh, the, the best uh, position to look at for this draft for us is cornerback in day two. If we were to, you know, do everyone's dream draft wide receiver round one and turn into a 70 points per game offense, uh, <laughs> we're probably going to go, you know, cornerback round two. And there's a, ton of guys to look at, including the guys that, you know, I listed for day one, like Kyler Gordon, there's no guarantee. He goes round one, Roger McCreary could certainly fall to us at 57. Um, but round two, you've got a ton of such intriguing guys. Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska, very, very good athlete. He was recruited as a wide receiver and defensive back. Um, very good. Pretty much all these guys in the list are very good run defenders that are pretty physical with receivers. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt has really good uh, size He's dealt with some serious knee injuries in high school, though. Torn meniscus, torn ACL, two meniscus tears, fractured patella. But he didn't miss a single game from injury in college. So, I mean, that's the thing. I don't like to talk about injuries with a lot of these prospects just because I don't have access to the medicals. So if the Bills draft Cam Taylor Britt, obviously they're comfortable with his knees. So I, you know, I don't have a say in that. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
another guy like Marcus Jones out of Houston, um, very, very small. He's very reminiscent of like the wide receivers, uh, Calvin Austin, uh, and you know, Wandell Robinson, Sky Moore. Marcus Jones is 5'8, 175. He is very, very tiny, but incredible athlete, background as a wide receiver. He plays the ball very well, you know, goes out, gets interceptions, uh, ties, or he has the tied record for career return touchdowns in college football history with nine. Uh, I think our boy CJ Spiller has the record tied with him. Uh, old Buffalo Bill, shout out. Uh, he averaged 28.8 yards per kickoff and 13.45 yards per punt return. So Marcus Jones is one of those guys that like, if the bills did some, like, you know, we were talking about Brandon being with the all in move. If the all in move is drafting like a cornerback rounds one and three or something like that, Marcus Jones is the guy I'm in love with for round three, because the versatility that he would provide us as a cornerback and return man like that, that he, he would kick McKenzie off of punt returns permanently <laughs> which I think, hoping, I think we all want yeah i'm hoping we don't see him back at the return spot this year personally yeah only in i mean even in emergencies just put hide back there and let him fair catch it yeah so i don't have to like hold my breath yeah every every time it as soon as it hits mckenzie i like i'm every muscle in my body tenses I'm, up i'm still scarred from that one play last year where he just like slipped on nothing and fumbled the ball and it was so bad i i mean because we all love mckenzie i think like we all if we could all keep mckenzie on this team for the rest of his career at like a minimum contract like he's basically playing on i think we would all do it but you know if you're not going to be a super talented zone receiver like we need out of him you know the way we had with cole beasley then you have to prove that you can be useful in other ways and you know the return game is one of those ways so you know that's the whole thing is if mckenzie is not going to be returning punts this season then he's got to prove that as like a man-to-man blazing speed type receiver he can be our like wide receiver three for the future yeah he needs to really show that like what yeah. he did in the patriots game oh yeah big time and the you know the dolphins game from uh 2020 where he yes. ran that punt back for a touchdown funny enough um <clears throat> the other day uh day two guys Tariq woolen out of utsa is every like if you were building a cornerback just physically you would build Tariq Wollen, you know, six, four, two Oh five, almost 34 inch arms, four, two, six, 40, 42 inch vertical, almost an 11 foot broad jump. Uh, not as quick feet in the three cone. He ran a 7.1, which is a little more disappointing. Like Cam Taylor Britt, you know, he ran a 6.93. Um, some of these other first round, like really athletic guys. Let me see. Yeah. 6.57, 6.67. So Wollen's got to work on his quickness, I guess, but I mean, his long speed is very much there, you know, running a four, two, if you can run a four, two, six, I feel like you can be coached into quickness, especially considering the fact that the dude, I think Wollen, I want to say is the guy that, yeah, he played wide receiver most of his life. Like he's pretty new to cornerback. We've also got Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati and Mario Goodrich out of Clemson, two guys that played behind really good, talented cornerbacks in, you know, Sauce Gardner for Cincy and then Andrew Booth out of Clemson. Kobe Bryant and Mario Goodrich are, to me, they're just really good, solid, like special teams contributors in the future. I mean, Bryant didn't really play special teams, but I think he's it's, he's a good enough tackler for it. Both of them are going to come in and be very high floor, low ceiling, permanent, you know, cornerback two slash three Th- those are another couple guys that, you know, we, you know, double dipped on cornerback and did one day, th- uh, day two as well as day one, Mario Goodrich and Kobe Bryant. I would be very comfortable with round three, you know, getting them. There's a, there's a few other, uh, guys on here. Like, uh, 
I mean, cornerbacks, you know, we talked about the deepest classes uh, outside of quarterback because, you know, we don't need that position. Who cares? Josh Williams out of Fayetteville State, a college you've never heard of, kind of similar to Tariq Wollen. He's just been a really good athlete. Damari Mathis out of Pittsburgh, Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama, Castro Fields out of Penn State, Emerson out of Mississippi State. I mean, there's the, the list goes on and on. There's a there's a deep list of cornerbacks that are, you know, day two talents uh, or potentially are because, you know, you never know who who the Bills have graded as a, you know, second round guy who they have graded as a fifth round guy. Right. Um, yeah. There, there And there, there's plenty of other guys that, you know, we didn't talk about on here. You know, we didn't talk about any of like the top tier edges or like offensive tackles or anything like that. We just don't need those positions. Um, a few other like day uh, three or maybe late day two guys that we didn't talk about that aren't really in this sheet. You've got uh, Zamir White, uh, James Cook's uh, running back partner out of Georgia, but he's dealt with some really bad ACL tears the last few years. Rashad White, uh, Pierre Strong, Hassan Hoskins, all running backs. Uh, it's Arizona State, San Diego State, and Michigan. Uh, basically different versions of higher graded running backs in this draft, just you know, missing a few things like Hassan Haskins. He's Brian Robinson, that gigantic Alabama running back, just not nearly as good uh, and not playing as you know good competition. Um, wide receivers that, you know, we didn't talk about David Bell out of Purdue, who was going into the draft process. He was like arguably wide receiver, like three, like he was going to be a first round wide receiver. And now people are saying, I mean, he'll be lucky if he gets drafted in the third round, his combine. I mean, he just like, he did not show out anything like there, there are, there's not a single area of David Bill's measurables or, you know, uh, uh, combine testing that proved that he's got any elite level traits, but David Bell has a really, really high floor. And again, like we were saying, if we're just drafting a guy to come in and be our wide receiver three or four down the line, and we can get David Bell in like the fourth round by trading up by like 10 picks, that would be awesome because David Bell is a really talented, you know, naturally gifted receiver. He just doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite jumping ability. He doesn't have elite, you know, at the catch point, anything like that, which, you know, that's fine. You don't need that out of a wide receiver four. No, you don't. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a gigantic, you know, brain vomit of the draft that, uh, that we just did. You got, uh, you got any other thoughts? We just pretty much ran through everything that we got here, man. I just, it, it's just so hard to predict like one minute I'm thinking, Oh, maybe we, maybe we do trade up for, you know, like a cornerback here, but then, you know, you go start talking about how many great cornerbacks there are that could be possibly taken on day two. But, you know, then again, maybe we double dip one in the first round, maybe one in the third. It's just, you know, it's just like, what, what do you personally think is going to happen? So I think, I mean, again, just because mocking drafts is, I mean, again, I do it just because it's fun. Um, but the, again, the real question, like I was saying earlier, is what position or positions has a huge run on it? in the, you know, late top 10 picks into the teens, because that will basically entirely dictate where the bills go in the first round. I think, because like we were saying, you know, the bills were very comfortable where we are at 25. We can easily draft a cornerback, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, even, you know, the more outlandish picks like a running back or linebacker and, you know, patiently pick, you know, the next cornerback out of all those really talented guys that I just lifted listed day two. Uh, if, you know, Trey White is expected to come back in September instead of October or November. Um, so, you know, if a huge run goes on cornerbacks in the teens and we have the option of picking like McCreary or Kyler Gordon and the Bills just don't have a first round grade on either one of those guys, 
and then, you know, maybe a wide receiver run also happened. That's the kind of scenario that forces the bills to trade down or, you know, the surprise. And we take Kenyon green or Zion Johnson, you know, maybe some people are disappointed that we take a boring interior offensive lineman as the pick, but you know, we're a Super Bowl contender. We kind of take boring picks now a little bit. That's right. That's that's, that's kind of the deal where that that has to be our target at, at times. We all love cornerback. We all love wide receiver. It's flashy and fun. But, you know, we saw how many times we were all screaming at our TV and frustrated that our offensive line, especially our interior offensive line, would just collapse the moment the ball was snapped. Yeah, it's yeah. So can you imagine can getting a guy ways. like Zion Johnson on a five-year rookie contract and then presumably a, you know, four-year extension after that? That's, you know, nearly a decade of solid offensive guard play if, you know, he's scouted correctly and the Bills like what they see out of him. So it's, I mean, it's it's a legitimate thing to talk about. It's 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 there. Yeah, and I really don't think you'd find a single Bills fan that would be disappointed with that. I, I would certainly hope not. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of like Facebook fans, as I like to call them, that, <laughs> you know, are they're, they're the ones that are screaming that we like should trade up for a running back or something like that. Oh, Lord. Which, you know, they can they can do that all they want in their mock drafts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, yeah. So just me personally, just like throwing my thoughts out there that no one actually cares about my perfect dream mock draft. I think very generally, if we don't trade a single pick is day one, we get someone like Andrew Booth or Trent McDuffie, who are just like natural tacticians at the position and are going to immediately step in and play like a cornerback one. Uh, At 57, if Isaiah Spiller or Brees Hall are still there and the Bills like them, I would love to grab them. If they don't go running back there, um, I think I would love to then go offensive guard and just again, dip into our second most important position of need right now, you know, behind cornerback. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if not interior offensive line, then just whatever highest graded wide receiver they have. Um, so I I would go cornerback round one and then whatever the highest graded IOL and wide receiver is round two. Uh, and then round three, depending on where we're at with that, with like, you know, running back and, you know, have we drafted a wide receiver yet? Like I said earlier, that's where I start to look into like the more raw prospects like Jelani Woods at tight end that we could eventually, you know, coach into being our, you know, tight end one or two, or we draft a guy like Brian Asamoah or Channing Tindall as linebackers to, you know, eventually come in and replace Edmonds. So I think one and two uh, rounds, one and two, I'm looking at, please let's get a starter, you know, someone that's going to come in and actually play for this team and play meaningful snaps you know, even if it's a running back that's only playing 30 snap, 30% of snaps, getting him round two, that's, you know, it's still good. But round three, give me a guy that maybe he only plays 15% of snaps in 2022. That's fine. But 2023, he steps in and is, you know, our, you know, star of the future at, you know, XYZ position, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I'm definitely looking for an impact player now, taken early on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the, we, we, I think we can't dilly dally. And then again, that's what I said earlier about the fact that if we draft a running back at, you know, 25 and people are still assuming that, you know, motor is going to be our running back one going into camp. Are we all really good with, you know, our first round pick in 2022 playing less than half the snaps? Like, is that really what we want? Cause you know, the Steelers drafted Najee Harris and that dude, I don't know what his snap percentage was, but I'm assuming it's, it was probably higher than 80%. The dude was on the field all the time. I, yeah, I think he had the highest, the highest on the field snaps. Yeah. Maybe any running back in the entire NFL. I mean, he was a, he was an absolute workhorse workhorse for them. And, 
you know, I don't, that's not what I want out of a running back. I, I very much subscribe to running back by committee. Like, and that's why I was talking about earlier. Like if we can bring motor back on like a two year, five or $6 million deal or something like that. And then, you know, this rookie, and then we just kind of rotate a veteran in and out over the next few years. That sounds awesome to me. And I mean, you know, for all the people out there that are like screaming, you know, running back round one has to be Brees Hall. Like you have, you know, you had Jonathan Taylor come out of the second round. Like, you know, he's what, like probably top three running backs in the league. Like it's, you know, yeah, Mm -hmm. you can find talent for running back in the second and the third round, even though, you know, the bills haven't exactly found amazing talent in the third round. If if, if we draft a third round running back and he turns into Devin Singletary, I mean, I'll definitely not be like as excited as I would be if they, you know, are turned into a better running back than that. But I'd be fine with another Devin Singletary out of like a third or fourth round running back, you know, just like a serviceable running back one, you know, comes, comes in and does his job as like a, you know, running back by committee, whatever, you know, whether it's a pass catching back or a, you know, power running back or whatever. I definitely want to see a power running back, you know, cause that's just like, go, go. And I encourage everyone go watch some Brian Robinson highlights. I know that NFL competition is a lot more and, you know, NFL linemen are a lot bigger, but I mean, the dude's just huge. It's it's pretty nuts. The Bills are no strangers to drafting the uh, massive specimens. Exactly, yeah. Rousseau, Josh Allen, you know, draft the freaks, draft the traits. That's what uh, that's what a lot of draft people say, they tend to at least. <laughs> Which, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you just draft the fast guy. You can teach him how to play football. Draft the guy that can jump the highest. You can teach him how to, you know, do this and that. It's, it's that that's, and that's what, you know, we were saying earlier, just to, I mean, I get, we're wrapping up here a little bit, but uh, all those stuff that us as armchair GMs can't get access to all the interviews and whatnot. That's all the stuff that we just, we don't know about. We don't know if we, we see who runs the fastest, you know, we see who jumps the highest. Tariq Woolen is a incredible athlete and I would love to have him at pick 57. What if the bills interviewed him and Tariq Woolen is an idiot. Like I, <laughs> I here's a great example. We were talking about him earlier, CJ Spiller. Uh, I, you know, again, I'm a Bills fan. I'm a Clemson fan. Uh, I met CJ Spiller several times. I think we talked about this as well. I met uh, Sammy Watkins a couple times at Clemson. Uh, they're both some of the, they're a couple of the dumbest guys I've ever met in my entire life, <laughs> but God damn, they can run, they can run like crazy. So there's just so many things that we, and that's, you know, that's where you see it back in that awful Bills regime. Who was GM in 2008? I don't even remember. Um, but you know, we drafted CJ Spiller, what eighth overall or ninth overall or something like that. And just horrible mistake just bad 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 time bad time um i don't know yeah is it the wrap up everything for you uh you got any other any closing thoughts here any hot takes either way whatever happens you know obviously you know i'm trusting bean's plan i i think he's got a very specific plan in mind that he's going to try and execute and you know take us to the next level the super bowl level so absolutely i'm just excited I, I've been listening to some, you know, podcasts like it talks about like what are like what teams do we think are like, you know, relying the most on this draft as like a make or break it type thing. And I mean, we're really not, you know, because we're basically going for like a luxury pick here outside of cornerback. Um, but yeah. other teams, I mean, this draft is like legitimately make or break for a lot of them. Like the Giants, they need to start this new regime. Like Joe Shane and Brian Dabble, they need to start this regime off like nailing this pick at five, presumably getting a tackle. And then at seven, if they keep that pick or trade down, getting like a really good defensive player, like, you know, seven, if they ended up getting sauce Gardner, like that's a spot for him. 
the Giants desperately need to nail this draft. The Jets kind of do too. Like they need to get a really good wide receiver for Zach Wilson. Uh, the Eagles are in like a kind of weird spot with Jalen Hurts and their two draft picks. The Saints are teetering on the edge with a new head coach, you know, Jameis Winston as their uh, quarterback, no left tackle to block for him at all. Uh, their wide receiver room is a little weird outside of Michael Thomas. Like there's a lot of teams that are hinging so much on this draft and the bills draft strategy, I feel like is just so much more relaxed. And Brandon Bean is going into this draft exactly the way that he would want to go into basically any draft. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, you know, that's very encouraging. The fact that we don't have to be like, Oh my gosh, if we don't get, you know, this, this, and this, like immediately, like, you know, like we're screwed, like, no, like we can, you know, kind of chill, see how the draft falls, you know, maybe, you know, move up or down based on what's best for the team. So I think we're in a great position. Oh yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's a, if, if, you know, all the good cornerbacks and all the good wide receivers are all gone by, you know, pick 25, there's literally no reason to panic. The bills can sit back and, you know, they can trade back, take an interior offensive lineman. They, there are so many ways that the bills could go with this that I, you know, again, infinitely comfortable with what they do. You never really know with Brandon Bean. You just, yeah. you just don't know. It's just, it's tough to really make a prediction on what you think. And that's what's happen. great. It's, I, I love that Brandon Bean is always the GM that is just like, you know, sneakily working in the shadows. And then, you know, that's how we got Von Miller, right? Right. Always like this, this mystery third team that would come in and at the last second, you know, swooped in and signed Von Miller. And I like, love that. The Bills. There are absolutely no reports about the Buffalo Bills being in on Von Miller until it was the Bills are signing Von Miller. Yeah. My first indication that we were going to sign Von Miller was the news that we were signing Von Miller. Just like, whoa. But yeah, I that, love that. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Thanks for listening. All, uh, all four people that maybe listen to this first episode, <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully more than that. We'll see. Um, yeah. I don't know. But, signing out. Well, hopefully the draft is a very exciting for everyone and we'll be coming at you. Like we said, with a big like state of the team episodes for the offense and the defense, just kind of talk about where we're at with the actual players that are playing for the bills instead of all these random prospects that are never going to play for the bills, <laughs> except for, you know, three of them. Yeah, no, we'll definitely be, I think we're going to split up into two episodes. We'll probably yeah. go over the offense first and the defense first. Cause I mean, you know, this, this episode has been about a little over an hour and a half, you know, and there's just so much to talk about. So I think we'll definitely split that up into two episodes. Oh, yeah. But, very, very much. Yeah. definitely. So you guys can definitely look forward to that coming soon, but uh, any final thoughts? No, that's it for me. All right. Go bills. Go bills. Bills make me wanna